This podcast is brought to you by Touch a Life. Welcome to Happy Homes and Gardens. I'm your host. My name is Daphne Royce. I am a real estate broker, architecture, and interior designer. AI is the biggest technology development of 2023, with advances in AI occurring almost every day. Deep Planet has been using AI and deep learning tools in grapes growing to provide state-of-art precision viticulture. Let's welcome David Carter, who is the CEO of Deep Planet, to share his innovations. Hello, hey, David. Hey, how's it going? How are you? Good. How about you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Thanks for having me on. Please tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah, sure, sure. So, yeah, I'm Dave Carter, uh, CEO of Deep Planet.、Uh, we're building the world's ultimate climate platform,、uh, starting with the with the wine industry. I'm based here out of California,、um, but we have a bit over 80 customers,、uh, some of the world's largest companies in the in the wine industry all, all around the world. Uh, and we're really at the cutting edge、uh, of helping them how to better、uh, manage this industry. We're using base data,、uh, leading AI,、um, and, a, and our team heritage of researchers that originally came out of Oxford University to, to really, really help them adapt to the, the changes in, in climate that are, that are actually happening out there today. Is your technology from Oxford, UK, or that was in, innovated in US?、Uh, so we we. We actually, the three of us who started the company, we actually did some graduate studies in Oxford.、Um, I, I, I'm Australian originally, but I lived here in the US.、Uh, Natalia uh, and and Sushma are my business partners. They're they they were based out of the the UK. So, so but but we we have we have people all over the world now. So we have people in France, here in the US, Australia, and and in the UK.、So. Why you do what you do, and how did you initiate the idea to use deep learning tool in the vineyards? Yeah, so we we got together in,、uh, in our graduate studies、uh, while we were in while we were in in Oxford, and we we actually entered a challenge separately、uh, to address global water challenges that are that are、uh, across across the world. Either too much water, too little water, droughts, floods. Uh, and we came in from different different angles. Myself, I've got a background in the well, oil and gas、uh, heavy industry、uh, software, and basically looked at modelling subsurface uh, water uh, and like they do in in the oil and gas industry uh, uh, to in different ways.、Uh, Natalia came from a computer vision, so she was looking at at、uh, gaming or looking at people's emotions or or facial recognition. And wanting to apply that technology to satellites to actually understand what was happening with shortages of global water, and and Sushma has a has a background. She actually invented the world's、uh, she was part of the, the team that invented the world's first 4G mobile call, and taking that research and taking it to market. And she had a had a similar idea. And we're actually sitting in a in a pub in in Oxford, and towards the end of our studies, and realised we were at the same mission. We won that competition, and we decided to、uh, create a business out of it. The reason we got into viticulture is. Is that、uh, when we reached out to different people within agriculture who were being affected by weather, due to the permeable nature of grapes, vineyards kept coming back to us, and winemakers kept coming back to us and saying, "There's there's wild swings in temperatures that means that our harvests are being pushed forward or being brought back months. There's diseases attacking grapes that were never、uh, attacking them in certain in regions.、Uh, there's 
Uh, it's very, very difficult and making it impossible to manage for, for people out there today. There's, instead of being one one strange year in, in weather every five years now, there's four. So the, the models and the way that people are doing, doing farming really have to change. You see the wildfires, you see the hail events, the frost events, the, the, the weather swings, too much water, too little water, that, that's really making it very, very difficult and impossible for our customers to manage today. Um, I'm from the the one of the main wine regions in Australia, and and that's actually where we got our first customer, and now we here we are across all across the world. So, so we got in Virginia. Talk about weather. Does your technology have impact on climate change? Uh, it actually helps people adapt to to climate change. So, to understand what's going to happen. Um, so, for instance. Looking at uh, when when grapes will be ready ready to be harvested, uh, what the sugar contents of them. So from a harvesting perspective, coordination and understanding uh, where they're at, uh, and basically more helping people adapt versus actually remediate um, the the changes in in climate. And I understand you use this satellite to collect your data. What can you determine from satellite image data? Yeah, uh, well, we're 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 actually helping. It's probably better, probably best way to look at it is we're helping three people in the industry. So, and that we're using and so we use satellite data, weather data, uh, ground data, sometimes uh, photos on a, on a camera as, as well. But we're mainly using satellite data and non a lot of the time non visual spectral bands, so infrared or X ray or radar or all of these different kind of sensors that are available on, on, on satellites, combining that with weather data uh, and to really, really detect uh, or we call it, we call our product vine signal to detect the signal of what's happening on the ground. So that can be anything from a disease uh, to a, to the sugar contents of the grapes, nutrients in the soil, nutrients in the plant, carbon in the soil to kind of wide scale monitoring, even detecting where a vineyard is. So, so that, when using all that technology, we're really helping three people. One being the the winemaker and logistics teams. So that that's really under, that's on the sugar content side to understand what yields are going to be. So what we do crop estimates. Um, we understand what the, the sugar content is. Currently, that's a very manual process to go out there and determine, and and lots of error can happen in that. We can determine the sugar content of the grapes as it as it goes from when the grapes change color at veraison all the way through the season. And, and give them an idea of when the grapes will be ready to harvest. It's a huge logistics effort uh, that happens, uh, that's out there. Uh, secondly, uh, we're helping the, the growers grow more sustainably. So that's using less water, uh, the right amount of nutrients, the uh, right amount of fertilizer, the, the right amount of um, uh, compost uh, to really improve their soils, re- retain water, retain nutrients so that they can u- use less of it. Uh, and then, and then we help help them uh, with disease. So both at a grower level, uh, understand that there's 12 major pests and diseases that affect grapes. Everything from the catastrophic phylloxera, which wiped out, uh, which wiped out the European um, wine industry back in uh, you know, over 100 years ago, uh, through to kind of more regular ones uh, that that are, that are affecting different parts of the world. So from red blotch to downy pouty mildew. Uh, botrytis and more rots that, that happen. So we can actually pick up that those diseases are happening using those spectral bands, using those uh, you know, weather data and give early warning 
of those diseases and also help track the spread of them so people can can be wary and, and take remediative remediative uh, action against them so uh, and so the third third people that we help and kind of applying that is the regional association so we help help people uh, map where all the vineyards are uh, and then respond to kind of major events uh, that happen so everything from trying to grow more sustainably to a hail event or a flood event um, understanding which vineyards are risk of seas which are damaged and they can quickly respond to those, those things. How accurate those informations are? Yeah, so we, we actually launched six years ago and uh, spent a lot of time uh, in the R&D perspective. So for each each one of the things that we do, we want to get a minimum of 90% accuracy um, or more uh, before we release it, uh, to the, release it to the public. So we've, we've spent all this time um, testing out in the field and then we get typically more than 90% or some cases, you know, up to 99.9% accurate in, in, in what, what we're doing. Um, it just, just dependent, but, but really what we're trying to do is give uh, a much, much better uh, method of, of either measuring what's happening on the ground or giving early warning happening on the ground that you couldn't do with just the current methods that are out there. So they're, they're meant to be in a, uh, uh, you know, complementary and additive to the current things that are ha happening out there. So give people earlier warning, you know, respond to something quicker um, or be able to monitor without having to, you know, send all those people out in the field to do it. What is the most valuable information to growers? Would they take your information as a valuable tool for them to prevent early in time for their crops? Yeah, so for, so for growers, the, the biggest thing we're seeing is that it's uh, it's there's 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 as you saw over the last couple of years, especially in in, in the US and Australia and Spain, very dry regions. Uh, even even we're seeing in South America now, there's there's not enough water or groundwater that's, that's available, and and so people are getting restricted on how much water they can put on. So we see water is probably the biggest issue from a grower perspective, um, as well as secondly, they people are uh, wanting to grow more sustainably and there's more regulations that are coming in so both using optimizing and using less water uh, and making the most of your allocations that you have as well as using less uh less fer uh, less fertilizers and less uh, you know reducing the cost of those those costs have skyrocketed with the you know like the war in ukraine and the cost of diesel have gone gone crazy um so that people are trying to produce more sustainably that way as well uh, and then lastly, obviously diseases, because there's diseases that people are facing due to this change in climate that they're not used to facing in, in the region they're currently in. So so that that's a big, big problem. So early warning of those diseases um, is the third thing that we're really seeing that, that, that growers get out of this. How many types of grapes are there and do you provide different services? For sure. So so there's, there's tons, uh, there's, there's, at least over 50 commercial varieties of grapes and hundreds of, of, of varieties across the world. Um, the in both uh, red, red and white. Uh, so, so part of the challenge when we embarked upon this that we didn't know that we do now is we actually had to build models for each variety of grape uh, to really get a, a sense. So, so to build that data set and to build that um, that history, because uh, not all grapes are grown in. In, in every part of the world. Uh, we've had to build up that library of, of, of different varieties and how they behave uh, across, um, over time. In addition to that, 
Uh, you, you can have the same variety of grape that can be grown different ways. So people might be trying to grow a super premium. So they're trying to they're trying to strain the plant of to to have let they'll have less yield, but they'll you know really uh, they'll they'll, they'll grow, grow it a very different way than say someone who's producing instead of producing maybe a sixty or a hundred dollar bottle, they might be producing a five dollar bottle for the same variety of grape in a different region where they put lots and lots of water on it. They want to get high yields and um, make something that's just more easy, easy drinking, if you like. So you have to factor in not only the variety, but how they're being grown and then the, the local weather that's actually in that in that region uh, as well. So it's there's a lot of different variables that, that go into it. Is a different type of grapes will have a different sugar content? Maybe they need a different soil or weather pattern, stuff like that. Um, yeah, so you probably heard of the concept of, of terroir. Uh, so, so yeah, some definitely different varieties behave differently. Um, so, as an, as a simple example, whites uh, whites typically mature quicker and might have a different target of sugar content that that is required. They call they measure that in a thing called bricks. So that's the sugar content in the grapes. Uh, they go out and squeeze the juice and determine okay how much sugar content is it, and therefore what conversion to alcohol will have. So typically whites will mature to their level of, of sugar content, which is typically lower than the reds uh, that are out there. So a Chardonnay versus a Cabernet Sauvignon or a Zinfandel, they'll typically have a lower sugar target than the, than the reds. And so you'll typically see people pick a little bit earlier their, their whites uh, and then and typically the reds will come up to that maturity level or that sugar content level. and and pick that as well. So, so yes, the varieties is, is key um, and, and the style of wine that they're making is key to determine what uh, what what's the kind of optimal conditions to pick the grapes and, and then make wine out of them. And you're servicing in many different continents right now, correct? Uh, yes. So we actually have customers all, all over the world. Uh, we, we've opened, kind of officially opened office. We had our first customers in Australia about half of them now or uh, in Australia. We've also opened up here in the US uh, the last couple of years and then over in Bordeaux in France. Uh, so we have, uh, that's where the majority of our customers are across those three countries. But we have people, uh, some people in South America, uh, in, in Chile or Argentina. We have people in Italy, uh, people in Armenia. They're even growing growing uh, wine now in, in the UK due to uh, climate change the the temperature is starting to rise so much that it's, it's actually they can make pretty good sparkling wine analogous to what champagne was say 20 30 years ago so so we, we have customers all, all around the world it's, it's pretty exciting and we're re really helping uh helping people right across the world in totally different climates and totally different conditions but with the similar challenges how excited can your company help growers reduce food waste uh, definitely. So probably about 20% of production is probably, probably I'd say waste, I'd say loss. So probably about 20% of, 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 in general, of grapes are lost every year through everything from disease to, or, or to not optimal quality because they're expecting it to be a certain quality when they actually harvest it, it comes in and it, the, they've been sampling the wrong part of the vineyard and it's actually a higher or lower sugar content and therefore has to be made into a different wine or might have disease so have to throw it away uh that's great so so we kind of it, what we're really helping with is that waste early in the process um so 
uh, and, and, and helping them adapt adapt to kind of climate effects that's that's causing that waste. Uh, so that, that that's how we're really helping people out in that process. Once it's produced, if people aren't drinking the wine, we can't help you with that um, if they're not finishing the bottle. Are you only service grape growers? Do you have a plan to expand to other crops? Yeah, so we started off with with wine grapes. We do have customers in in other crops as well, but we're primarily focused right now in that. We do have some wine growers that have other crops. So everything from, uh, and, and we've done quite extensive studies and starting to release our product uh, for, for other things. So for instance, with potatoes, we've done quite extensive on that. Uh, grassland or rangeland monitoring to help cattle do rotational grazing, uh, similar technology. We even have a customer in, in aquaculture. Uh, so uh, prawn farming, if you like, or uh, shrimp farming uh, as well. But most of what we do today over 95% is in, in viticulture. How right. do you do potatoes? They are underground, am I correct? Uh, correct, but the actual, uh, they're interested in the same sort of things, everything from soil moisture to um, variability in their, uh, and, and then obviously while the potatoes are overground, the actual plant is above ground. So you can, you can tell things like that. They're also interested in, uh, they're also interested very much in um, how, what nutrients to put into the soil, so what you know, fertilizer, so NPK, nitrogen, potassium, phos- uh, phosphorus, and, and other other elements. So, so there's elements of our products that we develop for vineyards, which are quite complicated, uh, and we can take those elements and apply it to other crops. For example, like potato on the ground. So you tell by the above ground plant what kind of nutrients they needed. So we see both the nutrients in the plant. Uh, and then the, we also measure the nutrients in the soil as well, okay. uh, and and the water content, uh, the, so the soil moisture that's in the soil as well. Okay. Do you have a plan to feature develop your technology and increasing your service offering? Uh, yeah, definitely. So so right now we're focused on launching in in the regions of the world, the major wine regions of the world. So that's so now that we're here in the US. There's the, uh, the last couple of years, uh, also in South America, open office there, Italy, Spain, uh, and that'll cover about 80% of the world's uh, vineyards uh, that we would, could have access to. Uh, and then we and then uh, we also looking at expanding to uh, adjacent crops. Um, we are starting to get quite a few potato farmers uh, and those that are um, uh, on soil moisture and also those that uh, are looking at grasslands. So we have some customers in, in Australia uh, for the grasslands and customers in Africa to, to kind of monitor the rotational grazing of their livestock. Of their farms. Yeah, yeah, the livestock, exactly. Oh, wow, that's interesting. <laughs> so but the height of the grass is important there. So they want to make sure it's not overgrazed. There's, there's an optimal amount of, um, there's an optimal amount of that you want. So you want to, uh, a, that you want a, livestock in in the field and and so they eat the right amount of grass uh then go to the next one and the more the more they eat in the optimal amount the grass will actually grow faster and the more cattle you can actually have on the on the on the property so there's not there's an optimal amount that you you have there so that's a big interest to a lot of people that people are starting to see we do have some some people already using that that tech today is the grassing for food sources for the livestock where you are preventing the wildfire 
Uh, no, it's, it's for so, so at the moment what they're using it for. Yeah, it's for the for the live livestock, not not for wildfire um, measurement or anything like that. It's it's possible to use that in the future, but uh, we we don't we don't offer that today. Okay. All right. And that's a, you said majority in Australia. Uh, about half our customers are in Australia right now. Um, but we, if you asked me that a, a year ago, I would have said ninety percent. So it, it it's gradually expanding across across the world. We we spent about six years in research and then about two years launched commercially. Wonderful. So so another thing that we actually help people with is helping them improve their soils and probably the best measure of. The, the most easiest measure of doing that is measuring the soil organic matter or soil organic carbon. So we've actually been able to, across multiple places in the world, determine the uh, soil health by measuring using satellite imagery. Uh, we, we ground truth that with with historical soil tests to actually show variability in soil organic matter or soil organic carbon or the carbon in the soil, and track that change over time. So we can see that over a you know a one, two, three, five, seven year period. If you're able to improve the soil organic matter、uh, within your soil,、uh, then you'll retain water and retain nutrients better, and actually get much better farming outcomes because you'll be able to use less fertilizer and actually use less、uh, less water because it'll be retained in the soil and available for the plant to use. So that that's a that's a huge impact for farmers、um, if they're if they're able to do that and measure that. We're also able to get、uh, carbon credits to actually. Help fund those type of improvements that they've done to the soil, and but it's actually it's actually trapping more carbon in the soil. So that, that's a great that's a that's that's another great thing that we're able to do. We're also starting to help people do、uh, biodiversity studies. So different spectral bands can actually measure different species.、Uh, so having having diverse species across、uh, across a piece of farmland will obviously bring in. Uh, more, you know, bring bring in more wildlife,、um, but also also、uh, get biodiversity、uh, across, which, which is which is a good thing to have. So we're actually helping people measure that、uh, and do studies to to get again get credited or get accredited or get credits for actually doing、um, being more biodiverse and and basically having a better ecosystem across their、uh, vineyard or across their 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 land and, and farm.、Uh, and then and then the A really new thing that that we, we're we've we've done we've done this for a while, but we're getting asked this quite a lot now. Probably I'd say five times in the last month is actually to understand the to what what based on different climate scenarios for the next twenty thirty years, basically give people the environmental conditions that are likely to be for their vineyard or for their or their or for their their region. So maybe a regional association to say, look, it's going to be X degrees hotter, therefore. Harvest、uh, will, will be pulled forward. There's likely to be X amount of rainfall. You know, maybe less rainfall. Maybe maybe、uh, more hail events or risk of frost events.、Um, how this would would actually impact the region, and and people are asking that from either a, a winery perspective to understand what crop, what what new varieties, like you mentioned, to plant,、um, or or alternatively, what what sort of measures they're going to have to take. Uh, as as the actual average temperature、uh, rises,、um, so everything from、uh, you know they might be more at risk of a frost event, might be at risk of hail events, so they might need to build infrastructure for that. They might need to think more about their their water sources,、uh, and then also、uh, really really look at what varieties to plant because different varieties thrive in between different temperature bands. So there's places、uh, there's place in 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 France right now they're actually looking at replanting for twenty years time. 
as, as they expect temperatures to rise and different either different uh, types of the same um, variety uh, that are more resilient to drought or more resilient to the change in temperatures or actually using a different variety than I might typically have done in that region. So these are the type of interesting climate studies that we're actually helping people with, you know, kind of modeling what's going to happen in, in, in 20 years time and, and how that might, that might uh, affect them. Sounds like a weather pattern has changed is pretty much everywhere. Definitely, definitely so. Uh, they were actually still harvesting grapes in May in, in Australia, which is very, very late. Typically, they, they would be finished by April, but they had a lot of things were still being harvested in May and probably could have been harvested through to, to June, which is crazy, which is like saying they'd be harvesting grapes at Christmas time which, uh, for, for us, which is, which is, or New Year's, which would be kind of unheard of. So these changes in weather patterns are really pushing harvest back, forward and back, and people are being affected affected with this, the, the change in temperatures all around the world. Wow. And how can people contact you for your services? Oh, sure. Well, probably the easiest way, uh, jump to our, our website. So www.deepplanet.ai, so D-E-E-P-P-L-A-N-E-T.ai, uh, and reach out. We we have myself here and, and a couple others here in the U.S., um, in, in Australia or, or if you're in, uh, or in, in Europe, uh, reach out. But, yeah, just uh, reach out and I'd love to, love to help and chat with you and see how we can help you. Great. Thank you very much, David, for your time today. That was very informative information you provided to our listeners. Okay, Norris. Great to see you again. Cheers. Cheers. You have just listened to Tall Radio Podcast. For more podcasts, visit www.touchalife.org.